my father is really, really big on customer experience mm -hmm. and frontline employee experience. He wants to know what's it like for the customer and what's it like for the frontline mm -hmm. employee. Um, and so he told his business partner, he said, I'm gonna drive a limo for a month. And if I think I can add anything new, different, or better for either the customer or the employee, then I'll do this. Hello, my name is Matt Bros of Lockton. In my role, I consult with employers all around the country related to their employee benefits strategy. We're in conversations all the time about how to attract the best talent and get the best out of their people. Work ethic, integrity, those are all traits of people that pursue excellence and it doesn't even stop there. From the boardroom to the storeroom, we're gonna find out what drives those people. Welcome to the excellence culture. This is gonna be an excellent adventure. Well, welcome to the Excellence Culture. Um, I'm Matt Brost with Lockton Dunning Benefits, and I'm super excited to be sitting next to John Kudenmiller, the president of Freedom Park. Um, and I would say if you live in the DFW Metroplex, there's a very good chance that you've seen the red shirts at the airport, the Freedom Park employees, um, and doing that amazing valet parking service that you guys do. And for me, I just want to tell you, like, I'm very, very impressed and almost just admire the service that you guys um, deliver. Thank you. Every single time I go to the airport and I park my car, I just can't believe the smiling face that greets me, yeah. how engaged they are. In this world that right now, you know, we'll go to a restaurant and we've got to apologize for asking somebody to sure. get us a glass of water, sure. you know? Yeah. And, and your guys and girls are out there in the heat parking cars, helping people with a smile on their face, and I can't wait to hear how you do it, okay? Thanks. appreciate it. Um, but first, um, I would love to hear a little, a little bit about your upbringing. Sure. Because um, you're obviously significant leader in this thing that I see that is crazy excellent. Um, so I'd love to hear about your upbringing, what, were, what was your you know, upbringing like, values, yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I'm from, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. Um, grew up in Hearst-Julis, Bedford. Uh, and um, I think uh, a big part of my upbringing or the um, you know, significant things that happened in my life uh, was blessed to be raised in a home where I was really close to my father, yeah. uh, who also was a part of our business. So um, kind of parents got divorced when I was nine. That's a tough thing that happened, yeah. um, was really tough. Uh, and through that experience, uh, we lived with my dad. And so um, our upbringing, there was a lot of expectations, high expectations. Um, and so uh, really poured myself into school and sports. And um, I was really fortunate that I had a really close group of friends that I grew up with. That I, um, in fact, in a couple of weeks, meeting up with them to go on a guy's trip up in Vermont. Um, cool. Some of the same guys, so. Um, from H-E-B? From H-E-B, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, played competitive basketball, which uh, kind of kept me on the straight and narrow. Um, so pretty typical, I would think, uh, you know, yeah. high school um, uh, and, and, you know, junior high um, life. I uh, ended up going to Texas A&M uh, University uh, and kind of mm. like a lot I of apologize. kids. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, gotta make sure I, I know I gotta make sure I get that point. in there. Okay. I was gonna, but I, you know, I'm not gonna do that. Um, so you know, went went there, and I think uh, when I went to when I went to college, kind of like a lot of kids do, um, I, that was kind of my rebellious stage. You know, I was out from yeah. some of the pressures of you know 
what it's like to grow up in a household where there's pretty high expectations mm -hmm. on you. Um, uh, kind of lost my way in that, and 9-11 uh, happened, mm -hmm. um, which is also about the time we were starting our business, uh, and so I joined the Marine Corps, uh, and that was a really good influence in my life, but I think I thought it was gonna be my savior. Um, yeah. really, I thought that's what I was gonna do my whole life. I thought I was mm -hmm. gonna be a Marine. Uh, and in God's good plan, I busted both my knees, had complete reconstruction wow. on both knees. And so that, that dream ended and I uh, came back and was part of the family business. Um, and right around that time um, is also when uh, the Lord just picked me up and saved me. Um, mm. And so Gosh. big, big Amen, shift dude. in my life happened right at that yeah. kind of 22 year old, 21, 22 year old. Um, it's, almost, it's almost like there was a pre-life pre um, yeah, that experience. I think you understand that. Yeah, um, I do. And then do. life just kind of changed at that point. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of sort of short, quick story. Well, thanks me. for being so transparent about that, yeah. man. Um, and it, it obviously is probably something that drives you in your leadership sure. for sure. Um, you know, you were a part. It seems like you were a part of Freedom Park from the very yeah. beginning, right? Um, and so, I would love to hear what that experience yeah. was like. What was early Freedom Park days where all of a sudden y'all are parking cars or, or what? What, yeah. what was the beginning of Freedom Park? Very like? basic. Yeah. Um, so we actually launched in the spring break of uh, the semester I had decided to go into the Marine Corps. So that summer I was gonna go to boot camp. But we launched in spring break. So I was back uh, March 12th, uh, 2001. And there was five of us. So my father, one manager, and three valets. And I was one of the three valets. Um, and we were on a uh, really old, beat-up parking lot in South Irving. We had one partner at the time, and he owned the parking lot. That was his big contribution to, to the business. Um, and the, the idea was, really, the idea came from my father, who uh, owned a courier company in Dallas-Fort Worth, sold it, uh, was doing some consulting had a buddy that wanted him to start a sedan service driving people to and from the airport. And customer experience mm -hmm. and frontline employee experience. He wants to know what's it like for the customer and what's it like for the frontline mm -hmm. employee. Um, and so he told his business partner, he said, I'm gonna drive a limo for a month. And if I think I can add anything new, different, or better for either the customer or the employee, then I'll do this. And he says that, uh, his story always was that every single customer told him they loved that a sedan picked you up and dropped you off right at your gate. But what they didn't like is when they would come home, they didn't have their own car. Mm. So they're trying to go to a kid's soccer game or a date with his wife or whatever the case may be. And they got to come all the way back to downtown Dallas to get their car before they could go home. So he went to his business partner and said, we're going to give people the convenience of a sedan or a limo, but we're going to let them drive their own car and be in control. And in 2001, there wasn't a single valet parking company at any airport mm. in the country. So his whole idea was he's going to let people prearrange valet parking and we were going to track flights and let people drive their own car directly to their gate. So no valet stands, no place the customer has to go. We're going to go to where they need to be. Yeah. Um, so when we launched, we had a very basic database built on Microsoft Access. Um, we had a really basic parking lot and this concept of something new that nobody else was doing. And we were excited about it. We thought it was going to, we, we thought as soon as we went out there, everybody was going to use it. Um, and that didn't happen. Really? Yeah, that didn't happen. It took it took a lot of uh, hard work. Um, and well, I've I've found for me, I don't know what led me to use it the first time. Yeah. It was probably a referral. Somebody saying, "Man, you got to try this." But once I 
tried it, mm-hmm. it's like you. It, it's I mean, the service is just so good. Yeah. If you we know? can get somebody to use it, if they're we, not going to go back. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have any money, right? Yeah. So all of, all the family money is invested. In this we have one one partner who's not who's not giving the investment that he said he would be giving. It was real contentious. Um, and so we didn't have a marketing budget, really. We had some mm-hmm. funds set aside for that. And then this is 2001. So in September, six months into a business completely dependent upon air travel, 9-11 happens. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest memories I have is standing on our parking lot with my dad, staring in the sky, right down by DFW Airport, and there's no flights. Mm-hmm. Nobody's flying. And you um, guys from an employee, how many employees did you have at this that point? That point we had about 15, 20 okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, and so we we didn't know when people were going to start flying again. And so yeah. the conversations were kind of, this was a great idea, but this isn't going to happen. Or um, we got to stick this thing out. And we think when people do start flying again, we have something special. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest decisions I know that we ever made was uh, we, we knew when we came back, the employees that were there from the beginning that were invested, we were going to need them. Yeah. And if we didn't keep them on, they're gonna to have to go find another job. So we took what money we did have that was earmarked for marketing and we paid our employees basically just to stay home for four or five months until yeah. flights came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the best decisions we made because when it came back, we had we had people ready to go. Yeah. So, but that was that was scary because mm. it was early on. Well, I kind I kind of want to like right from that, you know, go straight to just what you guys just recently. Yeah. I mean, COVID. And, and you know, I just had the fortune to be able to talk to Clay Parks with Parks Coffee and how much they were impacted by COVID. Right. And you were one of the first people I thought of right. um, when COVID happened, too. Right. And um, I know that we've even had texting back and forth, you know, yeah. saying, I got nothing I can tell you other than I'm praying, man. Yeah. But, um, you know, did you did you guys use some of the same philosophy from the learning of 9-11? Sure. or? You know, what was that process going through? Yeah, so the pandemic was more difficult because the impact lasted longer and because yeah. nobody had any idea what And was you started, happen. I mean, you were, you you probably had hundreds of employees sure. that were impacted. We had 425 yeah. the day that, uh, I remember being in Phoenix at our operation in Phoenix and I'm sitting down eating dinner and it was, they, they canceled the basketball game. We were watching the Mavericks. They canceled it halfway through. Yeah, that's and right. I remember calling my brother, and at that point I said, hey, I think this is real, and this is probably gonna impact us for a month or so. Yeah. We had no idea. Uh, a month later, we went from 425 to 25 employees. Mm. We went from 2,500 people parking with us a week to 25 people parking with us a week. It was just overnight. Yeah. But I do think we learned a lot through a bunch of the challenges that we had early on um, and we were just blessed to have gone through those things um, yeah. because I think we were we were nervous but we 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 very quickly were able to kind of say okay here's what we're gonna have to do yeah um, whether it was gonna work or not we didn't know um, but one of the things we did is we we furloughed all the employees that had benefits we didn't fire them because mm-hmm. they needed I mean these people needed their health care they needed mm-hmm. we needed to keep them connected to Freedom Park we did keep 25, 30 salary employees on staff, continued to pay them. Um, and then one of the biggest things I think that we've learned over the years is our business is about our people. Yeah. You, you, you know that as a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, your interaction with Freedom Park is, 
your sole opinion of Freedom Park is based upon the person you're going to meet at the airport. Yeah. So we knew how important those people were. Um, so we held, I held a, a weekly Zoom call that any employee could jump on at any time. Um, and I did a video message every Friday. And we just tried to stay connected to our people and be as open as we could about what we knew, yeah. what we didn't know, what we were trying to do. And I think that served us well when it did start to come back because probably more than most companies, we were able to get a lot of our employees to finally come back to us. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it was it was scary though. Yeah, crazy. So like that grow back, I mean, do you have PS, do you, I mean, do you think about like just the instability of America sometimes oh, as you're yeah. growing back, just wondering like, or do you, are you able to just kind of look forward, you know? And I think we realized like there's going to be a next something. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. know if it's a pandemic or. It does seem like the airline industry gets impacted by a lot of things. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, it, the mortgage crisis was yeah. a big deal for us. We took a big no, not nothing like the pandemic, but we took a yeah. nosedive because of that. Um, anything in the economy or in the world that would cause people to stop flying or companies to tighten their budgets, we're going to be affected by. Yeah. So one, we understand we have to run our business really, really smart. I think that was a big blessing is when we hit the pandemic, um, we had cash saved up, we weren't in debt and we weren't leveraged. Like we were kind of prepared maybe mm -hmm. better than some. And I'm really thankful for that. But yeah, I think about what's what's yeah. gonna, you know, yeah. what's yeah. gonna happen. I bet. But from my, from my perspective, I mean, probably the most important thing that I would love to talk to you about because this is the excellence culture. Sure. And um, it's just really, how do you do it, man? I mean, every, I have never had a bad experience with Freedom Park. And, um, and, I, and I find that you do that with majority part-time employees too. Yeah. And I see every other industry and the challenge it is to train up and execute excellence, especially with a part-time population. Yeah. It seems impossible to be honest, but somehow you've made it very possible. So I'd love to hear even just some of the mechanics that are going on in sure. the background that allow you to just kind of execute at that level sure. on a regular basis. There's a lot there, and um, you know, I, I think to your to your question, like there are mechanics, but I yeah. think more than anything, first and foremost, it's just a worldview on, yeah. and then it's a company view, um, and I think we understand that the most important person in our organization truly is our valet. Mm -hmm. That as a customer, that's that the opinion you're going to have on Freedom Park, and whether you use us or not. It's not me. You're not going to talk to me. Yeah. Um, my job is to make sure they can do their job, uh, but it's it's that frontline employee. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of times, you know, companies uh, maybe may have a culture where the guys at the top are the ones doing all the important work, and yeah. the guys on the bottom are the guys that are just executing it. Uh, I think we think differently. I think yeah. we flip that on its head. Um, and so a lot of the mechanics we have are- Not just in theory, but in practice. In practice, yeah. yeah. So a yeah. lot of the mechanics we have, they'd have to support yeah. that. Um, so we talk about it a lot. Um, but I wanna make sure that that frontline employee genuinely feels like what they're doing has value. Yeah. And not just what they're doing, but that they have value. Um, so some of the things we do, if I'm in town, I'm in every training class. Every week that comes in, I go in, I talk to them, I give them our full history. I talk about how important their job is. If I'm not there, one of 
one of our other executives goes in. Somebody on our executive team is in every single training class. Yeah. Um, we vet 140 applicants a week, and we try to pick the top five or six. So we're trying to find the right people mm. to begin with. We spend a lot of money and time on trying to find the right people. And you don't have to tell me what you pay, but I would I would assume that you pay above average. We do for yeah your talent. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Um, you have to, and it's worth it. Um, yeah. We, you know, try to give them as many opportunities to make uh, tips and to make extra wages in ways that they can. Um, I think one of the other important things that we've been able to do is not just show people the value that they have, but uh, how they can add value. So every person in our organization started as a valet. We're 22 years in, and there's not an executive, a manager, a supervisor, anybody that did not start with a red shirt parking car. I mean, that's what Chick Fil A does too. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we, you know, we've been blessed to have really good talent come in and really good people, and we try to give them opportunity to grow. Mm. Um, and again, we stay connected. So there's rules like um, our management team, my management team, um, they're not allowed to have their doors closed. They're okay. not allowed to have iPads or i i pods your yeah. your things in. Um, just to demonstrate to our folks that if you need something, you just come on in. Yeah. So. Um, Those simple things, I mean, we do a lot from from our broker standpoint at helping employers with the concept of employee engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a whole practice that helps employers with employee engagement. But some of the things that you're talking about is employee engagement right, right there. I mean, making sure your managers have their door open, yeah. making sure people aren't walking around with earbuds in and that yeah. kind of stuff just allows that interaction among an employee population. Sure. And I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah. I mean, we can all learn a lot from yeah. that, man. Yeah. yeah. I think you have to believe it as, a, as, a, as an organization yeah. that those frontline employees really are the most important employees. And then you have to do, you have to do things that show them that's true. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other things is you may see me every once in a while at the airport because if we have a busy night, I'm going to grab all our guys. I don't care what your title is, and we're getting in a car and putting yeah. a shirt on, and we're going out to the airport. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there are crazy nights with delays. And oh yeah. 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 We can see the weather out. That might happen tonight. Yeah. Yeah, it does look pretty gloomy right now. So. Um, all right. Well, I want I want to kind of hear about what's going on with Freedom Park right now. Sure. What's the future looking like? I know that there's some expansion going on. Mm -hmm. um, Let's let's talk about that. Yeah, we're in the middle of it right now. So we uh, we just launched our third airport at Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, and anytime you launch a new airport, uh, it almost takes you back to the grassroots. It, of the it always does. <laughs> so so it's funny you said. So two weeks ago, I'm I'm out there with me, my director of operations, and we're in red shirts and khaki pants, and we're training valets That's and valet so parking cars. Yeah. Um, which is fun. I mean, I enjoy it. Right. You get back to it. Um, but every, every city is challenging because every city, every airport is run differently. And so we launched two weeks ago and very quickly the airport came to us and said, well, you can't be doing this. And we mm. said, well, you gave us a permit to do this. And um, so now we're into some negotiations with kind of a more long-term uh, plan with Salt Lake City Airport. But I think within the next couple of weeks, we'll be fully launched and have our, our third airport. Um, and then we have two others that we're pretty actively looking looking at and so um, on the airport side is just finding good markets where the service is needed mm -hmm. and as a traveler you know it's needed um, 
and then aggressively trying to get into those to those yeah. airports. Well, I'd say if there's anybody listening that lives in Salt Lake City or is a part of that airport, they need to know that, that Freedom Park is yeah. a blessing. And thank um, you for that. And that you guys really enhance the whole experience yeah. in the airport. So I only expect continued great things. And I think the things that you're talking about, like just the example of what you're doing in Salt Lake right now, that you're putting your red shirt on, yeah. um, those are the unique things that we're seeing with these organizations that execute this excellence that we're talking sure. about. You know. Um, and so really appreciate you sharing that. Appreciate who you are. Thank you. Appreciate your faithfulness. Um, and uh, just thanks for this time, man. Yeah, thanks so, for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. This is fun. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks. Yeah.